Okay, everybody. Good morning again. Let's kind of get rolling here. All right. So this morning, uh, we do have our upper room service. If anybody kind of remembers, our upper room service is the time when it's just the time when we remember Christ with communion because Jesus was in the upper room when he was instituting this. So uh, that gives us just a great time to also keep the kids in the service so that they can understand what communion is, take part in communion. Uh, parents, remember we always say, look, if, you're, if your kids, if you know where they are and they believe in their heart and they've accepted Jesus, they are more than welcome to participate uh, in communion. Uh, if they have accepted Christ as their Savior. Remember, we do have the two options. There's like a lot of disclaimers here for communion or something. We have also, remember, options. This one's at your seat uh, where you can kind of have the self-service communion there. If you're still kind of uneasy with COVID and things, those are available uh, for you. So all that being said, with the kids being in the service, we like to have some fun with the kids. So if any of the kids want to come on up on stage, Today is going to be quite interesting. Today we are going to be doing faith dinner theater. So the kids are going to be unrehearsed, and this might be a little more challenging. Okay, we got some more coming. We got some. There we go. Oh, Kenzie's still coming up. That's good. All right. So you guys are going to be acting out the story. Everybody good with that? Everybody good? <laughs> Thank you. All right. So we're going to act out the story of Zacchaeus. Anybody know the story of Zacchaeus? All right. I need everybody to stand up. All right. Now, I need somebody who is very short. Who's short? All right, I figured you'd have the first hand to come up. I said, come on over here. Come on over. Come on over. You're going to be over here. All right. I want you to stand right or about right there. Perfect. You're going to have some fun later with that. Yep. All right. Now, I need somebody to play the part of Jesus. Oh. I wasn't sure anyone was going to volunteer to be Jesus, but there we go. We got our volunteer to be Jesus. That's always a tough one to get. Like, like, who wants to be Jesus? Everybody's like, I don't want to be Jesus. All right. So the rest of you three come over here. Come on over here. You guys are going to be a crowd, per the crowd. Okay? So it actually works out well because you're tall. All right. So anybody know how the story goes? All right. So Jesus is walking on his way to Jerusalem, and he has to pass through various cities. And as he approaches one of the cities, a tax collector say, I'm a tax collector. Yeah, say, give me your money. All right, anybody want to give him his money? You guys are not, there you go. They're all giving you, oh, you can face this way. You can, <laughs> there you go. All right, so we have Zacchaeus over there now. But a crowd is all around Jesus. So, crowd, you guys come here. You stand in front of Jesus. You're all around. Come right in front of Jesus. Come right in front of Jesus, especially Kenzie. Perfect. All right. Now, Zacchaeus, can you 
see Jesus? No. What do you think you need to do? What should you do? Do you know what Zacchaeus did? You're going to get some assistance. Here we go. Oh, look at that. It's just like creation. An aged tree appears. All right. So, whenever you can't see something, what do you have to do? Jump. You could jump, but what, else, what could you do with this tree? This is a tree. What could you do? Climb it. Climb it. All right. All right, Zacchaeus, do it. I'm spotting. I'm spotting him. Don't worry. It's good. Oh. Now, can you see Jesus? You can. All right. Hey, Jesus and the crowd start walking towards Zacchaeus. Yeah. Do you see him? Do you see Je- Are you excited to see Jesus? All right. Jesus, come on over. Okay. Go t- take a take a st- There you go. There you go. Remember, there's a thing called liability. There you go. Hands up tie there. There you go. All right. Perfect. Now, Jesus, do you see Zacchaeus? Yes. All right. So, you're, you're taller than me, too. That's, you know, I got you. All right. So, as this story is playing out and as this is happening, Zacchaeus gets a very important invite. Jesus' moment. Here you go. And action. Zacchaeus, come down. Come into your house. Oh, everybody catch it? Yeah, Zacchaeus. Jesus says, Zacchaeus, come down. I am coming to your house. So, Zacchaeus, this is the point. Yep, yep, yep. Come on down. This is, this is spotting. This is what the disciples did. The disciples spotted him as he came down. And now, everybody go that way. And now you're going to go to dinner with Jesus. Yep, everybody go. Give it up for the crowd. Give it up. All right. That is our end scene. That is our children version. So, you know what you get. Come on, kids. Salvation has come and candy has come to your households. Uh, there's, there's less kids. You guys can take four pieces. All the parents went, no, no. It's kind of like early trick-or-treat. You can share with your parents as you should. That's perfect. One, oh, yeah, you got four, yeah, one each to your family. That is excellent choice. There we go. Very nice. Oh, Zacchaeus is very indecisive. Zacchaeus isn't sure anyone. There he goes. You got all right. Good job. All right, give it up for our faith fellowship dinner theater. And remember, I'm not tossing candy out because exactly. People have been injured because my arm is so strong. That's at least the way I describe it as happening. So, all right. So, we are working our way, as you can see, remember, through the life of Christ in 2023. And for each upper room service, we're kind of focusing in on various parables and teachings of Christ to understand what he has for us and what is he trying to teach through these things. So if you want to join us, I am going to, I know my last message was all about bringing your Bibles and doing sword drills and not putting the words up on the screen. I still encourage you to bring your Bibles, to open up your own Bibles, or to open up the Bibles at your seats. But we're going to be in Luke chapter 19, 
The words are going to be on the screen, but if you have the Bibles in the seats, you can look it up on page 743 is where you'll get to, as long as John has the right Bible, and the right book of the book is in there for everything. So last time you were in here, we found out there's a printing error in some of our Bibles, and we also found out we don't preach very often through the book of First Chronicles, because it wasn't in the Bible, apparently. So as you're turning there, let me pray for us as we get started with our time for today. Heavenly Father, well, we come to you this morning thankful for the opportunity for us to gather as a church to, to lift up your name in praise and worship, uh, to come and, and have some fellowship and to hear uh, from your word. Lord, be with us now as we try to understand all these parables and all that is happening as we come into uh, the time that we have this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so I'm going to kind of Stick with me, Brian. I'm going to jump ahead to verse 11, okay? I know it's crazy back there. But I'm going to jump in ahead, and I'm going to start reading uh, from verse 11 in chapter 19. And I did Zacchaeus because when you get into this chapter, you see that it all flows to one great story. And the parable that we have kind of comes out of this interaction and this teaching with Zacchaeus. And we're going to pick it up in verse 11. It says, as they heard these things, as we will come back to this, but the things that Jesus was teaching to Zacchaeus, he proceeded to tell them a parable because he was near to Jerusalem and because they supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately. He said, therefore, a nobleman went to a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and then return. Calling ten of his servants, he gave them ten minas and said to them, engage in business until I come. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him, saying, We do not want this man to reign over us. When he returned, having received the kingdom, he ordered the servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him, that, they, that he might know what they had gained by doing business. Verse 16, The first came before him, saying, Lord, your mina has made ten more minas. And he said to him, Well done, good servant. Because you have been faithful in very little, you shall have authority over ten cities. The second one came, said, Lord, your mina has made five minas. And he said to him, You are to be over five cities. Then another came, saying, Lord, here is your mina which I laid away in a handkerchief, for I was afraid of you, because you are a severe man. You take what you did not deposit and reap what you did not sow. He said to him, I will condemn you with your own words, you wicked servant. You knew that I was a severe man, taking what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put the money in the bank? And at my coming, I might have collected it with interest. He said to those who stood by, take the miner from him and give it to the one who has ten miners. And he said to him, Lord, he has ten miners. I tell you that to everyone who has, more will be given. But from the one who has not, even what has will be taken from him. But as for the enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them, bring them here and slaughter them before me. Yikes. All right, we're going to get in and understanding all that we have. Now, we're coming at a time in our, our studying life of Christ when we're reaching the, the final week of his kind of three-year earthly ministry. Next week, Lance is going to come to us and talk about the triumphal entry and understanding kind of the, the kickoff to what is happening, and it comes right out of this passage as well. 
And as we come into this passage, we get some very important things to begin with. We, as I said, this is coming out of the teaching that he's already had with Zacchaeus and the people of the, the crowd. Now, as you think about Zacchaeus, does anybody remember the little kid song? Oh, we should have sang it. That would have been awesome. Ah, yeah, I hear Zacchaeus was a, yeah, a tiny little man. So what did he have to do? He had to climb up in that tree. And all we see, just to see Jesus. And that was what we saw so beautifully laid out during the Faith Dinner Theater uh, on the stage before us. Remember, Zacchaeus, a tax collector. Somebody that they would have looked down upon in the Jewish nation. They were the ones who collected the taxes for Rome. And basically, they had the freedom to kind of charge whatever they wanted. Because then they would pay off Rome, whatever Rome wanted, and they would make whatever they wanted. And the Jewish people looked down on them. It's like if the tax was $5, they would say, you owe 20 So they would get to pocket. There you go, just checking with your math there. I know math gets crazy now in schools, but okay, we can still tell that much. All right. So all those to say it wasn't a very good thing, and these tax collectors got very, very rich. Now, if you remember back to last week's message, Jim talked about what? The rich young. All right, so we have a rich person just before this story who kind of gets called out and is well told to sell everything he had, and what does he do? He turns and walks away. And then now, in a few sections later, we have this story of Zacchaeus, another rich man, to whom we heard that it was impossible for them to get to heaven except by the working of God. In the story of Zacchaeus, as it plays out, we know that salvation comes to his house. He, he repays all the, all the money that he's taken. He repays it fourfold. And we see that what is impossible with man was possible with God. And Jesus then says that the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. He, he lays out his mission that he has come for to seek and to save. And all that lays this background for this message that we're going to have for us today. We see in verse 11, as we jump into this, we understand that he is on his way to Jerusalem. This is where he is on his way to the triumphal entry, on his way to the cross. Remember, they have this idea, they, they think, hey, we're coming to get this kingdom. And this is what I'm sure Lance will talk about, this idea of this kingdom of Jesus coming to reign. But Jesus is going to say, hold on here. Let, let me share a little parable to explain what you're missing about this kingdom. So we get word that this nobleman, this man has, has been somehow given a kingdom. And he has to go off to a far, far away land to receive this kingdom. It's far away. We're not sure how long he's going to be away. So he puts his servants in charge uh, of some finances. He, he gives them some, some money to hold them over as he is going to be away. And he tells them that they are to engage in business while he's away. He, he gives them instructions to use this money. It was about, if you look at it, probably three months' worth of salary that he laid out for them. And then in verse 14, we're introduced to some other characters. So we've got these noblemen, we've got these servants, and now we have these citizens. The citizens, as we heard, they, they do not like this nobleman. They do not care for him. And they say, we don't want this man to rule over us. 
So, verse 15 and 16, as we go there, they kind of jump ahead in this story. This kingdom has been received, and now he is going forward, and now he has instructions to see, all right, I wanted you guys to engage in business. Now let's find out what you did. Report to me what happened. The first servant came and says, look, I, I multiplied it greatly. I almost doubled it, all that I had. He says, great, and here's ten cities for you to rule over. Next one can says, I got five more. And he says, great, good and faithful servant, here's five cities for you to rule over. The next one, the third servant kind of came along and now, I don't want to call anybody out in here, but anybody have maybe that person in your family who has always had that handkerchief in their pocket? If you are, don't raise your hand and don't be offended. But you know, when you kind of blow your nose and then you put the same handkerchief back in your pocket and you pull it back out the same one you just did like five minutes ago and you blow your nose again and you stuff it in there. This is what this person, they're taking this gift that's been given, stuffing it in their dirty little handkerchief and they're kind of putting it in his pocket and he says, well, I don't want to lose this in any kind of way. He says, look, you're a mean, you're a mean nobleman. And the nobleman says, look, I'm going to use your own words against you. If I'm so mean, then why didn't you do anything? Don't you think I, I would call you out for, for doing nothing with what I gave you to do? You, you were to engage in business and you have done nothing. He ends up taking away what he had and giving it to the first servant. Then attention turns to the, the citizens who rejected the noblemen. And they are slaughtered. They are killed and taken away out of this area that they didn't even want to be ruled in. So as we look at this parable, what does this mean to us? What is Jesus teaching us in this? And I think it's important to look at the characters and see who they each are. All right, so let's first look at the nobleman. Anybody have any ideas who this guy might be? It's the perfect Sunday school answer. When in doubt, say, Jesus, you're wrong. No, I'm just kidding. It actually is. I'm just making sure you're paying attention. So yes. So Jesus is this man. He is this nobleman who has a kingdom who must go away, but he will come back. Think about the words from John chapter 14 and starting in verse 2. It says, In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am you may also be. In Luke 21, verse 27, he says this, he says, And then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Jesus represents this man who needs to go away, who gets a kingdom, and who will return. So we have that taken care of. Now we have the servants. Who do you think the servants are? Somebody said disciples. Who said that? It was a kid's voice, too. It was Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, he, look, he met Jesus, and now he's got all the answers. Look at that. So the servants are like the disciples of Christ, those who carry out the work for the noblemen. Think about these words from John chapter 4. As the disciples are with Jesus, after the woman on the well, and she goes to Samaria, and then the people from Samaria start coming out to Jesus. And Jesus says these things. He says, Do you not say there are yet four months, and then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. 
Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap for that which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Says the harvest is plentiful. There is work to be done. I always pictured this scene as the people are coming out. It's like a harvest field. The people are walking towards Jesus. And he says, look, these people are coming and they need to hear about me. And in the same way, that is what we are to do as we look at this. Now, there's one more group, the citizens. Anybody have any idea who the citizens might represent? unbelievers in this case, yeah, they may be Jewish leaders, the Jewish nation at this time. Think about the words that Jesus said in Matthew 16, 21. He says, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. See, Jesus is approaching the time of the full rejection of the people when they're going to yell out, crucify, crucify. So that is who these people are. And as we think about this, we want to see, okay, where do we fall in to this teaching of Jesus? Well, I think as we look into the servants and as we look into the citizens, we can understand two different, really three different approaches within this story itself. The disciples, we are the ones who follow Christ we are to be doing the business of Christ. Let's think about this. As we think about this parable, where are we right now in today's world within this parable? Any ideas? Well, I think when you look at it, we're really somewhere between verses 14 and verses 15. Jesus has, has gone away but he hasn't quite come back yet. So if we're in between those verses, there is work to be done. And that's what we hear in Matthew 28. Jesus said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you, always to the end of the age. We are to be doing the work that Christ laid out for us. I, I like when you get into the, the Greek, in the phrase where it says, where he gives the instructions to engage in business, the, the Greek phrase is pragmatica. It's the word where we get our word pragmatic from. It's this idea of doing business, to doing work that has a gain for us. And you think about that, that's what we're supposed to do. We are supposed to be working for a gain with the Great Commission, to be sharing the gospel, to be bringing people into the faith, to be doing the business of our Father. And that's what the Great Commission is all about, to get busy with the work of spreading the gospel. I love in Acts chapter 1, as Jesus is, has ascended back into heaven, and we get these words from an angel that says, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the heaven? Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. And when I picture this in my own mind, I kind of think of it as like when you're dealing with kids. 
You tell your kids to do something, and they just kind of stand there staring at you. Anybody have that experience as a parent? So here's the disciples, and this is my own kind of take on this. I'm saying, like, they're up there. Jesus ascends into heaven, and they're just like this. Is he going to come back? What's he doing? It's just kind of staring at And the angel has to come and says, men of Galilee, why are you just staring into the heavens? He gave you work to do. Go about his business. He's going to come back, yes. But go, follow his instructions. Go wait for the Holy Spirit. Get the Holy Spirit and go into action. Stop staring into the sky just wondering, is he coming back? Is he coming back? Is he coming back? No, get to work in doing all that he has for you. So I think as we get into this, we see the first response of the servants. We see faithful obedience. And the idea is when it comes to sharing the gospel, we all have the same responsibility to be faithful in evangelism. Now, it always comes in and some people say, well, I'm just not gifted in evangelism. And, and I think there is a special, I think people are given a special gift of evangelism to be able to communicate maybe to large crowds in different kind of ways. But just to say you don't have this ability of evangelism doesn't mean, well, you don't have to evangelize. We are all called to share the word of God. And this is where I think this parable connects well with the parable of the talents. And they're slightly different as we kind of dive into them. If you remember the parable of the talents in Matthew 25, in, in that parable, each servant is given a different amount of money to start with. But each one gets the same reward. In our parable today, each one is given the same amount, but a different reward. And I think as we break this down, we see that the parable of talents is teaching us to be faithful with the different gifts that we've been given. And we all have the same mission to go about. This one, we all have the same message. We've all been given the same amount, the gospel, to go and to share the word with others. We are to be faithful with the gospel for which we have been given. We are to think about the gospel. The gospel is to be what drives our lives. We need to share the gospel with those that God brings into our lives. Think again back to the book of Acts. Early in the book of Acts, the group is probably only, it's like 120 people that have gathered together. But after day one, there is 3,000 believers in Christ. Not long after that, we get the account of 5,000 believers for Christ. They understood the commission that they've been given to go and spread the word, to fill Jerusalem with the message of Jesus Christ. Are we making good on the job that we've been given? See, the chapter starts, as we said, with that conversion of Zacchaeus. And Jesus repeats his mission to seek and save the lost. The reaction of the people were so confused when Jesus would dare to go to the house of a tax collector. But he says, you don't get it. That's why I'm here, to go into the world and to save those who are lost. I've always enjoyed uh, stories about Billy Graham. And though he was late in his life with Parkinson's, he was still preaching the gospel. And there's a story from 1996 when him and his wife, they were awarded the, the Congressional Gold Medal for their service to America. After the presentation, Graham was being interviewed by Diane Sawyer. 
And in his own unique way of bringing the gospel into every conversation, he said this after getting the award. He said, Ruth and I are humbled by this award, but the only recognition I am looking forward to is when I stand before my Lord Jesus Christ, my greatest reward will be to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. To go about the business of sharing and making others to share the gospel. They are the ones, that is what we seek as we follow after all he has for us. But then we see this second group of servants, right? And what we're going to call there is kind of some unfaithful, some disobedience in the lives of these servants. See, here's what we realize as you go through the gospel, is you realize that every believer will have to give an account for their efforts. We will have to give an account for what we have done with Jesus Christ. See, some of us have maybe taken that gospel and put it in that handkerchief and kind of tucked it away in our pockets to, to never be shared, to never come out in our lives, where we want it to be shared for all. We'll give an account for all that we've done with his message. See, in Revelation 20, we, get, we read about the great white throne judgment. And this is about a judgment for those names who are not written in the book of life. So here we have a judgment that in the end times between believers and unbelievers. But as we read the scriptures, we understand that there is also another, in a sense, judgment separate for believers. And we read this in 2 Corinthians verse 5, verse 10. It says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him, for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Now, the phrase in these verses of judgment seat is different from the great white throne judgment. And what the, old, the kind of theological word they throw out for this is the, the bema seat judgment of Christ. And it's not really even a, a sense of in a judgment, but the bema seat was kind of this ruling, kind of elevated platform. It was sometimes used... Uh, during athletic events. And there would be a ruler who would kind of sit on top of it, making sure all the competitors are following the same rules. And as they would finish, it would also be given rewards based on where they finish. So you think about this idea in this Bema seat, it's not kind of saying, are we unbelievers or believers? It's this sense of rewards that we are given for the work that we've done for Christ. Now, I don't know how exactly it's all going to play out as we kind of our eyes close and we go into heaven and see Christ, but there is a sense that rewards are given based on, on the sense of how we've lived our lives for God. Have you just kind of taken the gospel and done nothing with it? Or have you kind of lived out and brought others into the fold? That is what is being taught here in this parable to not just be kind of a spectator for the Lord Jesus Christ, to go and to push yourself and to share the gospel, to be about his business, to be that good and faithful servant, not wasting the opportunities that he has given to us to share. See, when you get into that, this isn't an idea about losing our salvation. This is about using our, our usefulness, the loss of reward in all that we have. And we see this in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. It says, The fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he has built survives, he will receive his reward. If it is burned up, he will suffer loss. 
He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. Some of the unfaithful servants will be like a man who wakes up and his house is on fire. And he rushes out only with a sheet around him just to escape the flames. He is saved from the flames, but has he been unfaithful in his servants? But see, this unfaithful servant wasn't just rewarded. It was taken away from him. And the witnesses cried out, that's not fair. But Jesus says, look, be about my business. Gather those. Share the gospel with others. You know, this is kind of a, if you think about it in the idea of, and we kind of have a, a severe injury where your muscles have gotten weaker. Maybe you were in a cast for a long time. What do they call your muscles go through what? There you go. So if you're not working out, your muscles get weaker. And all this goes through. You, you need to go through physical therapy, exercise, rehabilitation to get your muscles back to where they are. And you see, some of us need to go through some spiritual rehab. We need to get our muscles fully functioning again and, and serving the Lord so that our muscles and our lives can function properly. And if then we have the third response, and it was outright rebellion. And this isn't a pretty place to be. It is those who are executed who don't want Jesus ruling over their lives. It is rejection of the message of Jesus Christ. I pray that no one in here would ever be in that category, that we would all come and understand the salvation that comes in Jesus Christ, that we wouldn't be slaughtered and tossed out like those in the end times, who are forever in eternal state, separated from Jesus Christ. See, when it comes down to it, life is all about taking advantage of the opportunities that God gives us and going for it. See, we have all these servants, each one with a different response. One day we're going to be asked, what did you do with my son, Jesus Christ? I pray that we can say that we were faithful servants going forth with the gospel. We've all been given various gifts but we all have the same job to go and share the word of Christ. And you see, it's because of this table that is in front of us that we have this opportunity. His body, which was broken on the cross, his blood, which was spilled. That is the message that saves. It is the message that we bring into our lives and that we share with others. I want to invite the ushers to come forward as we get ready for a time of remembering Christ. As we come before this table, we know that Paul tells us to, to examine our lives, to examine the areas maybe where we have fallen short, and to confess those things before the Lord before coming to this table. I ask that we would take some time and reflect and confess and pray before we approach this table.
Paul, in his letter to the Corinthians, he writes these words. For I have received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said this, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's pray. God, we come to you uh, thinking of the body of your Son, which was broken uh, upon that cross, Lord. We, we thank you for the forgiveness that comes, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Paul goes on to say, in the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes.
Let's pray. God, we come to you again, praying for the blood of your Son, which was spilled upon that cross that covers our sins. Lord, may we remember him through this bread and through this cup, and remember him every day as we go through the lives and all that he means for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we get ready to close for today, let's kind of review the journey that we've been on through Luke chapter 19. We see Zacchaeus, a sinner who is saved when he comes to meet Jesus. Jesus reiterates his message of being the one, being the one who came to seek and to save the lost. We see that our King, that our Jesus has gone away, but he is coming again and preparing a kingdom for us. And in the time that he is away, he has given us a message. He has given us the gospel. For one, for us to be faithful and obedient in carrying out the gospel into the world. Or are we failing in bringing forth? Or are we being unfaithful to the message that he's given to us? And then we see this third category that has flat out just rejected Christ. And that we pray for them and we carry the message to them. That we might hear those words of good, faithful servant. Let's close, let's stand and close with a song as we end our time for today.